I, I put my eyeballs on every kid. Welcome to Onward, a podcast of the Pike School Advancement Office. Welcome, we are so glad you're joining us today. Grab some coffee and a snack, jump on the couch, and settle in. I'm Rod. And I'm Elizabeth. We are officially halfway through this adventure. <laughs> officially. And what an adventure it has been. Yes. Uh, we heard from two fantastic teachers in episode one. We dove deep into our motto, non sibi solum, in episode two. And for episode three. Today, we are immersing ourselves in health and wellness. Very timely. Indeed. Uh, so first, we're going to hear from Stacy Alfiero, the director of the Daily Risk Mitigation Team. Otherwise known as the DRMT. Or the DERMPT. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. Okay. Anyway, the DRMT. Or DERMPT. God. Are keeping us all safe. Yes. They are the keepers of protocols, best practices, weekly COVID testing, and contact tracing. It's a dirty job, but they are doing it. They are. As a leader, Stacy really provides a great level of insight into how the work is done and the many layers that allow us to stay open on campus and to ensure our teachers and our students are safe. Let's listen. Hi, Stacy. I'm gonna start by asking you to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Stacey Afiero. I am the director of the Daily Risk Mitigation Team, and I'm happy to be here with you. Can you tell us a little bit about the DRM team and what you've been tasked with right now? Sure. So the DRMT was formed to help support the health and safety of the whole Pike community uh, by staying up to date with the ever-changing Department of Education guidelines, the CDC guidelines, so that way we can adapt our own Pike policies when necessary. Uh, since there's so many guidelines in place, we help teachers adapt how they structure their classroom to make sure everyone's being compliant with the policies. Some of the other things we do include creating daily reports with health screening data and attendance, making sure anybody who is considered at risk stays home, and then our team reaches out regarding next steps. We have recently implemented weekly COVID testing for all students, faculty, and staff. Uh, so we partner with different organizations to help execute this weekly testing. In the event we have someone test positive, we conduct contact tracing to determine if there are any close contacts to this individual while being on campus and help guide families through the quarantine and isolation periods. Yeah, that, that's a lot, obviously. When did you start doing this work? So the planning and training and all the meetings, they started over the summer and we started meeting weekly and we met um, internally and also externally to learn about what some of our partner schools are also doing um, to prepare for the upcoming school year. And um, a lot went into opening the building safely, so we had a lot of different groups focusing on different logistics. So let's take MyMedBot for example. Can you tell us what it is and then also what some of the considerations are that go into making our community's use of MyMedBot particularly effective? So MyMedBot is a health screening app that students, faculty, and staff use every day 
before entering the building. So they answer a variety of questions relating to symptoms they or somebody in their household may be experiencing, uh, potential COVID exposure, or if they have a pending test. We also ask about transportation, whether they carpooled or took the bus. Uh, so that way, that's important information if we ever needed to do contact tracing. And based on how they answer the questions, they get a green screen, which means come to school, or a red screen means stay at home. And by completing the daily questions, we're able to better understand our school's health status. And anyone who gets a red screen, meaning stay at home, we call and help navigate next steps to ensure it is safe for them to return to school. So Stacey, your, your team is engaged in some really critical work, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the resources that have allowed you and your team to be successful and effective at this work. So over the summer, we majority of us took the Johns Hopkins contact tracing course, learned a lot about the virus itself, and then steps to understand the incubation period of the virus, the infectious period, and then how to actually conduct contact tracing, which I think is unique to Pike, um, that we can do that in-house. And we also have a great relationship with Andover's Board of Health, as well as our other local communities. Whenever we have a case or a question, they're right there to help us guide guide us through um, any steps that we need some clarity on. So we have a great relationship with them. And then also we learn from our other independent schools. Um, this is new for all of us. So learning from each other on what's working well and what we're struggling with to find answers for, uh, we kind of help each other problem solve and learn to be successful together. As you and I are sitting here talking, it's been about 10 weeks of being able to host learning on campus for our students. And I'm wondering if the on-campus learning is going to continue, what do you see as the, the biggest challenge? So first I have to say that faculty and students have been doing a great job adhering to all of our policies we put in place, the mask wearing, distancing, hand washing, really limiting cross-contamination between grades and divisions. Um, all of this is proving to help us stay open and safe. Uh, I believe one of our biggest challenges is navigating through what happens off campus. Everyone has given up so much already in their personal lives, but it's important to not let our guard down. Uh, we have been here for 10 weeks. We want to stay. We love being on campus with each other, but decisions we make outside of Pike can really affect on us continuing to be here. Let's be honest, you didn't sign on um, to come to Pike to be our next head of the uh, daily risk mitigation team. Um, can you describe what you were hired to do? So I was hired to be the director of auxiliary programs. So that would be overseeing the flex program and create other enrichment offerings for our students during various parts of the year. But everything happens for a reason, so I have a health background, and so I'm happy to be doing this work and being a part of the community. So that's a big leap, um, Stacy, and, and, and a big change in roles. I'm curious, what is it about our community and school that have, has made it possible and manageable to make that kind of a change? Pike is full of supportive people that want to help in any way possible. And I felt that from the very beginning when I was meeting people for the first time virtually, and it holds true to this day. Uh, when you're around uh, like-minded people, a transition like this becomes easy. And Pike is a special place, and I think that anyone involved in this community would agree.
story. Stacey has proved so flexible and effective in leading this crucial aspect of Pike's 2021 efforts. Yeah, she, she joins a large number of other teachers and staff at Pike who've done really hard pivots in regards to what they typically do at the school. Right, like classroom teachers becoming online teachers. Yeah, and staff members taking on duties like serving on the DRMT or doing app check-ins in the morning. Or recess. I love doing recess now. On top of everything else we already do. That's right, on top of everything else. Now that's commitment. Stacy also highlights another important aspect of change in the time of COVID. Uh, I'm guessing you're thinking about layers of risk mitigation? Oh, exactly. First there's masks. And lots of hand sanitizer, with scheduled hand washing breaks constantly throughout the day. And then there's the social distancing. We're distancing in the hallways and in classrooms, even on the playground. Yes, and don't forget the extensive cleaning and sanitizing required both during the day and after hours. Offices, classrooms, bathrooms, public spaces. Cleaning and social distancing were really big factors in Pike's decision to purchase new furniture for a majority of classrooms. Most folks who aren't in the building don't even realize we did that. It's true. that You wouldn't necessarily know that, right? Um, and, and that really allowed, those that new furniture really allowed the classrooms to be set up appropriately and to be cleaned easily. And then there's the app Stacy talked about, My MedBot, that every family entering campus fills out, including faculty and staff. And then there's the major project that is called weekly testing. Oh man, weekly testing. Major project and major unanticipated expense. That's right. I believe that from late October until we close campus for winter break, Pike will have invested over $500 per child just to do this testing. Per child? Wow, that's, that's a commitment. Yep, a lot of candy bars. That's a, <laughs> it's a lot of candy bars. What do candy bars have to do with it? Uh, just can't help it. I'm pretty hungry, Elizabeth. <laughs> Get a snack, Rod. bars consumed. Yes, Rod's had his snack. So we talked about all the layers of risk mitigation that made life on campus as safe as possible. We did. But you know, physical safety and well-being is only one part of this puzzle. Yeah, the other big piece is the emotional and psychological well-being of the students and adults in our community. How we, how we respond to that is, is really critical, pandemic or not. And we need to be responding whether a student is learning off campus or on campus. It's really important because we know that students learn best when they feel safe, nurtured, and seen. Which is why we're really thrilled to have a network of support for families and students right here at Pike. And that network starts with Pike's school counselor, Tim Stonecipher. Um, so Rod, you took some time to speak with him about all of this, right? Yeah, and, and I think listeners will find his insights and his efforts fascinating. Um, he really underscores the ways in which COVID is increasing feelings of stress and disconnection among our students and how he and the Pike team are responding. Awesome. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourself and what you do at Pike. So thank you. My name is Tim Stonecipher. I'm the Director of Counseling Services here at Pike, responsible for helping to manage the social and emotional health of our student body uh, and our staff. 
given the fact that we're all dealing with COVID-19, I'm, I'm wondering what challenges you would expect to find in our community from a wellness perspective, and then we'll talk a little bit later about what you're actually seeing. Um, elevated stress and anxiety levels throughout the building, um, a heightened need for social connection, and again, that, that's in the eyes of students and uh, staff, uh, and then a, a general difficulty managing challenges that might otherwise um, be done more effectively um, given a more healthy landscape. Uh, for example, just general problem solving skills are more difficult now, uh, attending to a schedule, um, being able to get to uh, to-do lists in an effective manner. Overall, uh, there's an umbrella of stress um, throughout the building that has not existed and it's understandable. So it sounds like you're, you're seeing that in sort of manifest in some of our students and, and in our faculty. Uh, for sure. I, I don't think it makes us unique uh, in any way to uh, any other school or work environment. Everything seems to be coming at me louder. I can't uh, understate how this is both from a staff perspective and a student perspective and a parent perspective. Uh, you know, the triumvirate of parent, school, student. So I like what you said, that sort of things are coming at you more loudly, right? <laughs> um, and, and I'm wondering sort of what, how you've been able to use your role to help students and families navigate these kind of feelings and, and these situations? Yeah, so in, the, in that regard, it, it hasn't been extremely different. I really uh, make every effort to uh, facilitate classroom activities throughout the building. So that's from pre-K through nine. Me being in the classrooms really gives me a pulse point on uh, how kids are doing, uh, what's going on in their lives, what are they able to articulate, and then be, me being able in real time to uh, help address those needs, but also to have that in the back of my mind as far as um, building any sort of preventive programming. Constant contact with teachers and division heads, having conversations with uh, Ms. Gordon and Ms. Hyde and individual teachers around what they're seeing. The classroom activities that I facilitate are only uh, a small chunk of the students' time here during the day, so I really do rely on my communication with teaching teams and division heads. Connecting with parents, uh, always an important facet of my job. Uh, resource delivery, I, I really try to stay up to date on any sort of literature or articles um, that, that I can then share with parents. So uh, I was up in the upper school recently and I saw a sign, and I think it said something like, it's okay to not be okay. And, and I'm wondering, from your perspective, do students know when they're not feeling okay? And are there ways that we can help them get better at this kind of self-understanding? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think kids are generally better at identifying that they're feeling a certain way, but articulating is, again, from pre-K through nine, uh, not always an easy thing. And even as in adult life, it's, it's not always easy, um, not only to internalize what we're feeling and putting words to it, but then to extrapolate that to a communication with someone else. Super hard stuff. Permission to feel is a, is a huge thing, especially uh, in, in upper school when, when emotions are kind of running a little bit higher, there's different stressors. We have puberty, we have social interactions that mean that much more. We have the, the concept of secondary school and a lot of stresses that, that accompany that. Again, in classroom activities that I run, uh, throughout the school, again, pre-K through nine, uh, we do talk a lot about emotions, and very often I will pause the conversation and I will ask the student or the students, is it okay to feel that? I do that because I think it's a very valid question just to hear their input, but also how many times they look at me like they, 
that, like they're hearing a trick question. And I want to, in that moment, validate that it's absolutely okay and reasonable and it makes sense for them to be having that, that emotion. And almost always, if one kid says something and says, yes, I have the right to say this, I know that it's a relief to other kids. So Tim, I'm wondering what advice you would give the adults in our community when it comes to monitoring and, uh, and addressing how our students might be feeling right now. Yeah, that's the million dollar question, I think. Uh, give space, but also be present. But giving space, I mean, we all want our kids to develop independence and the ability to work through problems on their own, yet at the same time, learn the important skills of advocacy and um, raising their hand when they have a question and being confident in asking questions. But giving, giving kids the space in, even in these hard times, work through in their own minds, what exactly is going on with me right now? What is going on with the world right now? How is it impacting me as a person? How is it impacting me as a student? How is it impacting me um, in my ability to give some of myself to support another person? Or I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's quite a formula that the kids are working on right now. And uh, so the converse of giving space is being present more than ever. When kids are needing it and asking for support knowing that there are trusted adults in the building and outside of school, that they can just lay it out and be kind of vulnerable. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our community regarding mental and emotional wellness at this time? As much of a realist as I am being forced to be right now, um, I also want to remain optimistic and really highlight the consensus drive in this building to be a steadying, a steadying factor in the storm here. Um, I want parents to still be able to depend on us. I want parents to be part of this journey that is very hard and to still maintain forward thinking and progressive thinking. And my hope is that we will collectively come out of this with a greater sense of togetherness and community while also uh, develop skills that we may not have normally seen as a priority or gotten to or even be made aware of. there are probably very few schools where the counselor is getting contact time with every single student in the school at least once every two weeks. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, he's in classrooms, both physical and online, uh, for every grade pre-K through ninth grade. That is a huge time commitment. It is, but you know, I think it really allows him to see just how each student is faring, and it also means that students know who he is, and that leads them to be comfortable with him as a resource. And he is, he's a really great resource. We heard him talk about how he supports teachers, staff, and our families. Yeah, and educating and supporting children truly is a community effort. There's that word again, community. Our care doesn't end when a child goes home, which makes Tim's role as support to families particularly important. And of course, Tim's work is amplified by his work with division heads, advisors, the nurse, the Office of Community Life, and classroom teachers. Together, they create a web of care, support, and love for every one of our students. And that's a beautiful thing.
we've come to the end of this episode. We have, and we hope you've enjoyed it. I know I did, Elizabeth. We don't always get uh, a glimpse into the work that our community does on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. And we sometimes take it for granted that Pike students, and even we ourselves, are going to be tended to in a safe and secure environment. But it's easy to miss all the thoughtfulness and hard work that goes into creating that environment. Absolutely. And that hard work and thoughtfulness goes in every day. Every day. So if you see the ways in which Pike is going above and beyond to create a warm, caring community, we hope that you will take a second and make a commitment to the Pike Fund. There's a direct connection between the health of the Pike Fund and the health of our community. Absolutely, there is. The Pike Fund directly enhances the work that Stacy and Tim do every day. Yeah, you know, you could actually say that this podcast is brought to you by the letters P and F. Oh, oh my God, what? P and F? Pike Fund. Oh, God. I love it. That's awesome. This podcast is brought to you by P and F. And you know, you can direct your gifts specifically to health and wellness if what you learned about in this podcast is especially meaningful to you. You can. Or one of six other funding areas. Yes. Very good to know. You know what else is good to know, Elizabeth? No. What? How to make a gift. Right. So the easiest way to do that is to go online to pikeschool.org slash mygift. Quick easy, secure, painless. Exactly. We hope you'll consider it. In the meantime, we'll see you next time for our final episode. It's our final episode already. I know. It's so sad. Um, I'm sorry. I had to wipe away the tears. Uh, episode <laughs> four is going to be awesome. It is. We will dive into strategic thinking and what is coming next for Pike. It'll be nice to be looking forward. It will. And so in that conversation, we'll be joined by Midi Jean, the chair of the Board of Trustees. And of course, head of school, Ashley Marshall. You won't want to miss it. No, indeed you won't.